Welcome back to ASMR Quest. I'm your host, John Tyler. And I'm your co-host, Ian Fox. John, that's that was a right. wet one this week. Co-host. Mm-hmm. I've accepted my place. I am the host, Ian is the co-host. It's true. It's, you know, it's messed up, but it's true. <laughs> I was just gonna say, John, so, so I got a lot of things to say. Got a, okay, yeah. It's, I feel like it's Start been like doing. ten weeks since we last recorded, give or take. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, it does feel like it's been a while. I've just got, I've got opinions, John. Um, opinion number one, so as I said, that, that intro you just did was maybe the wettest one yet. <laughs> um, now when you say, do you, do you mean like it, it sounded like my mouth was wet? Uh, do you mean it sounded like I was speaking through water? Um, like was it, was it the audio quality or is it more sort of a, I don't know, like a, a, just sort of how how it made you feel. Well, so it did make me feel wet, and I it, it sounded like your mouth was wet, John. Mm. Can you give us an update on the the sort of um, moisture level of your mouth? Um, it I'd say pretty standard. Okay, honestly. no no excess salivating. Um, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe there's a little extra, but I think that that's really more just sort of a result of me thinking about my salivation. Mm-hmm. There's not like some comically large ham cooking in the other room, and just like the no, odors no, no. wafting in. And, okay, uh, no, but I am drinking some smoky whiskey. So. That's true, John. I'm drinking some smoky whiskey. I know, and you're drinking a ridiculous amount of smoky whiskey, John. I'll have you know, it may or may not be a reasonable quantity of this smoky whiskey. I don't drink whiskey very often, so it's tough to say. It's tough to tell. This is a non-standard uh, whiskey glass, which I'm drinking out of. Yeah, it, it is a, a little tough to gauge. It looks like, I don't know, I, it, it looks to me like you've got two or three drinks in that one glass, but I'm not there. I don't, I don't, I can't see it in person, so it, it's tough to say for sure. It's tough to say. But yeah, so I am drinking uh, the Laphroaig Select. Yeah, I, that sounds fancier than what I'm drinking. I don't know if it actually is. I'm not sure what the Select is. It's hand-selected. Uh, perfect balance, oak casks, four and flavor. Four and flavor? Well, so this is one of those labels where it is not to be read um, purely left to right, but is to be read like semi-left to right, semi-top to bottom. Okay. Um, so you're supposed to read the, the left half of it first, top to bottom, and then the right half of it, top to bottom. Oh, I see. I instead just read it across. It's actually hand-selected gotcha. oak casks for perfect balance and flavor. Uh, apparently, this this bottle of whiskey was established 1815. So this is a very old whiskey that I'm drinking. <laughs> probably yeah, that's thousands, much older than mine. Thousands and uh, thousands of dollars worth. Yeah, I am only drinking the Laphroaig ten year. Uh, so mine's only ten years old, rather than uh, over a hundred. Yeah. Well, to, to over two hundred, John. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I was. Oh, eighteen sixteen was that? Eighteen fifteen. Oh, 15. Oh, oh my. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was not... I only heard the 18. I didn't listen to the second half of what you Let's said. Let's see. Does it tell me how long this was aged for? Not that I can see. Yeah, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh-huh. And speaking of I sometimes... Don't like they don't. They do, sometimes they don't, John. That brings us back to everybody's favorite uh, long-running feature on the ASMR Quest podcast. That's right. Oh, I can't wait. Top 10 list of top 10, top yeah! 10 lists. <laughs> That's right. Just like every week, we're checking in with this um, top ten list uh, generated by Jonathan Carr at DePaul University. Thank you, Jonathan Carr, longtime friend of the show. Um, <laughs> he's compiled a top ten list of the top ten top ten lists, and we're going through them item by item. Last oh week, we covered item ten from List Ten, mm-hmm. the American Film yep. Institute's top ten top ten genres list, which was, I believe, animation. Uh, now we're going to do something a little non-standard, John. Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably figured we'd be going through each um, top ten, top ten list sequentially. So we'd go through the American Film Institute's number nine top ten list at this point. But that's yeah, not some what people we're probably do at all. thought that. But those those people are fools, Ian. They're yeah, fucking fools. Because I feel like we'd get tired about talking about movies for the next uh, the next ten we're, episodes. We're mixing it up. So instead, we're going down to item ten from list nine. That's right, we're uh, covering the 10 best top 10 lists by Ty Moses. Uh, looking through this this um, top 10 list of top 10 top 10 lists by Jonathan Carr, 
most of the top ten, top ten lists uh, that are in it are not actually sort of organized like as this other one, you know, the American Film Institute is basically all about genres and the mm-hmm. movies within those genres. Most of them are just collections of top ten lists created by particular individuals. <laughs> um, and this is one of them. This is uh, Ty Moses. Uh, he's writing at alternet.org, uh, longtime friend of the show. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that we want to say that because I don't know what that website is. Now, this is so if this is so this is an alt right. Um, this is well. Uh, I, 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 thank you for clarifying because that was my concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to be, if anything, a very liberal website. Which you know, oh, okay. Maybe maybe we don't agree with them wholly, but yeah, better than the alt right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is a uh, this is the ten best top ten lists compiled by Ty Moses uh, in two thousand five. So it's maybe a little dated, but you know, if it made it to the um, top ten, top ten, top ten lists, then it must be good. So we're going to start right in with item uh, number one, actually, because this is not in reverse order. Sort of non-standard for a top ten list, but we'll we'll accept it. Uh, that's right, we're talking this week, John, about words. <laughs> so it's top ten words? Yep. Merriam-Webster Online has created a window into our national preoccupations by releasing the top ten most looked up words in 2005. Okay. Uh, in order of their most look-up-itness. <laughs> Um, so we're going to start in at number 10, John. Inept. Okay. Uh, uh, so, sorry, I, I just want to, I do want to clarify. So the words you said are the the list of top 10 words from 2005 by Merriam-Webster is the number one list on, uh, I forgot this guy's name. Ty Moses. On High Moses. So it's High Moses' number one Ty top Moses, ten list. John, Ty Moses. Ty Moses. It's Ty Moses' number one top ten list, correct? Uh, it's tough to say. Um, okay. <laughs> it's not clear to me that these are really uh, ranked, that these top ten lists Ty are Moses! Top- How can you not rank your top ten list? I mean, to be fair, to be fair, John, the top ten list, I think it's a common misconception that a top ten list, every item within it must be ranked. I don't think that's true. Every item in this list must be one of the top ten top ten lists in two thousand five. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Moses. I but the individual items don't ranking. Have to be. Uh, that, that's fair. All right. Okay. I'll 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 cut him some slack for now. Mm-hmm. I'll agree uh, with so... you that I do I do prefer it when there is a clear um, ordering in terms of of quality, like with the uh, like with the American Film Institute's um, clear ranking of genre <laughs> quality. <laughs> <laughs> Um, With the uh, animation at the bottom. <laughs> animation is, well, because John's for children. Yeah, it's garbage. Who who would ever watch an animated film? An Certainly animated not, or not. an animated film. So, <laughs> you know, number 10 is inept, just like the genre of anime. <laughs> um, I guess you can, you can, we can chime in maybe if these words seem peculiar, like maybe, maybe they seem too arcane or too, too common. I don't know. Yeah, otherwise, I think we should just kind of run through these pretty quick. This doesn't seem like the most exciting top yeah, ten fair. list. Well, John, they came It's also from 2005. It's pretty outdated. Yeah, so uh, coming at number nine, it's Levy. Or Levy. Oh, Levy. Oh, okay. Some might say it. Because <laughs> most would say it. Well, John, it's a weird-looking word. It's a word that I don't think I've read that often. Mm. It's 2005. That's before Katrina, right? I think Katrina was 2005. Wasn't that it? would make sense. Well, <laughs> now we're just going off on a little history adventure. Well, John, Hurricane Katrina was 2005, so I guess it's not surprising that it's coming in at number nine. <laughs> uh, number eight, Conclave. I've okay. got no earthly idea why this would be <laughs> yeah. on the list. It's... Were people talking about terrorists being in conclaves or something? What is a conclave? Maybe. Like my, well, this is a much more exciting trip into 2005 than I was expecting <laughs> yes. it to be. So a conclave is a private meeting um, that's got a particular definition for in the Roman Catholic Church. It is the Assembly of Cardinals for the election of the Pope. Did the Pope oh, get elected? The, oh, there definitely there was a Pope election uh, around that time. I don't know if it was 2005, but it it seems like it might have been. Oh, fuck. John, we're just like touching in on all of the <laughs> major happenings. 
Oh, in wow. 2005. Jeez Louise. Um, it was not, actually. Or, oh, no. fuck. No, no, that was, a pa- that was a list of papal doctrines. Jeez, where's a list of... <laughs> a list of papal elections. Oh, God. This list goes on forever, John. <laughs> it turns out if people... Yeah, there was one. Pope Benedict was, in fact, elected in 2005. Shit! Oh, this list is this list is much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I've got to say. I will say though that election was kind of controversial because Pope Benedict he uh, so he won the electoral uh, college, but he did lose the popular vote. <laughs> <laughs> he also, I think, was much less popular than the uh, preceding pope or the following pope. Yeah, well, he was one of the very few popes that resigned, right? Yeah, like, he was. Yeah, most popes just sort of die, but he was just yep. like, ah, I think I'm. Di- is he dead now? I don't know. Jeez. Pope Benedict, what's he doing? Is he... Is So, did Pope Benedict cease to be when he retired from the papacy, and now he's like, whatever his actual name is, Joseph? Um, no, I, I, I think he... You, actually, I, God, I have no idea. I never... John, I was a, gonna... John, you are the really uncomfortably intense Catholic, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're always walking around with the life-sized reproduction of the Jesus cross with a life-sized Jesus on it. I'm constantly carrying it with me to share his burden. <laughs> Got a crown of thorns on at all times, just to remind me. Although, if we're just being to remind honest, me of John, the sacrifice. I think, because, you know, cause, you know, Christ, he was carrying the burden of the cross when he was walking around with it. But once he actually got nailed up there, the cross was carrying his burden, right? I I don't like this line of jokes. <laughs> well, John, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> Coming at number seven, it's pandemic. Ugh, that's a, that's I wonder if the board game pandemic came out in two thousand five. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit! Well, we got. You're gonna have to um, edit out all of these pauses while I look up. God, it's taking too long. <laughs> It's pretty good though. I'm really, I'm really digging this list. Yeah, um, 2007. So it was probably uh, just like a real pandemic. <laughs> yeah, was that when people were worried about bird flu? No, I think that was later. I think avian bird flu. There's well, so there's avian bird flu, but avian bird flu. Avi- there was avian flu and there was swine flu, right? Yeah, yeah, it was avian bird flu, flu and then swine, swine flu was definitely later. I think avian bird flu was later too, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, let's see. Um, avian influenza. Huh? So there is a particular thing in 2005, so there's a Wikipedia article for this, so it was certainly on people's minds. It seemed like... Okay, because yeah, I definitely remember, you know, it was like, whatever year it became a big thing, it wasn't that people thought that year would be when it would happen. People were saying like, oh, in two years we're all going to die from this or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, two years later, there there isn't a, a Wikipedia article for um, global spread of H5N1. And it, it did in fact sort of spike up. Ah, yeah, so 2005 was when you saw a really big spike in the number of cases. Whatever happened to bird flu? Um, did we fix it? I don't know. It just <laughs> wasn't that big a deal, I guess. <laughs> I'm just like... Uh, Alright, so, okay, we figured this one out, though. You know, okay, next next word. This, this historical puzzle. Coming at number six, it's Tsunami. Okay, I think there was a big tsunami. Actually, no, I thought that was earlier, but... Yeah, there was that big old... There was a, a huge tsunami in India. I yeah, there was the, the Christmas but tsunami, But I thought that was right? like... I thought that was like 2003 or something. Oh, let's see. Hold on. God, there's a, another big Wikipedia list for tsunamis. Doesn't go back as far, but as popes. Actually, so there was not a single tsunami in 2005 that Wikipedia feels is worth mentioning. But the um, the Christmas tsunami uh, did happen the year before. Okay, so it's probably still on people's mind because yeah, that, 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 that killed like a hundred trillion people or something. It was like a very big deal. Um, yeah, that's an accurate number. Yeah, number five, insipid. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, I don't know what particular events that would be tied to. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's, next word. Number four, filibuster. Okay. Yeah, there was there was definitely a time when filibustering was, like, getting a lot of press coverage. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it was, but I believe, I can believe it. Yeah, I think... There was definitely, like, a time in the 
mid two thousands when filibustering was getting a lot of attention. Yeah, I don't know if um people have sort of calmed down about filibustering because there were like procedural rule changes, or just because like everybody sort of accepted. Well, no, I guess we just need sixty votes now. Yeah, I don't know. Number three, contempt. All right. <laughs> there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, well, I'll make this point at the end. Number two, it's refugee. Okay. Yeah, I guess they weren't having refugee crises back then, but maybe they were. Oh, uh, there's there's always been refugees. Uh, let's look at a list of I refugee crises. I don't specifically know what refugees would have been on people's mind in 2005, but there have always been refugees. I don't know. It seems like, it seems like refugees have gotten a lot more coverage lately um just like i think syria right like i don't, I don't know i I, th- I think people i think there's always been a, a a hot topic maybe but i don't maybe it's just that people are getting more like populous now so they're getting more angsty about it but no actually maybe not because i'm looking at this list the uh, world's five biggest refugee crises and syria is coming in at the top number one. <laughs> oh wow with, uh, with 5.6 million people, which is a lot of people when you think about it. Yeah. Number one, the top most looked up word in 2005, integrity. <laughs> what? Yeah, so that, I feel like integrity sort of combines with contempt, insipid, and inept as like, <laughs> and I guess George Bush was president, so maybe people but were. But he'd been president for a while at that point. Yeah, like five years or something. Yeah. Although maybe this was like when the I guess I don't know when, because like there was definitely some time period where the the nine eleven luster really came off a of bush, and people were not happy about it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this would would have been like the like right after uh, re- his reelection. Hmm. Very shortly. Yeah. Oh, actually, his election his reelection wasn't all that close, right? Uh, I, I don't know. But, but I'm thinking, like, 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 maybe I would expect those words to come up more in an election year, so it seems strange that they would come up, like, the year after. I don't know, like, a, a bunch of those are obvi- are very clearly tied to specific events, and some of them seem kind of arbitrary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And, uh, just, uh, two little side notes, John. Mm-hmm. So those were the, um top 10 most looked up words in 2005. I thought it'd be yeah. fun to go to Merriam-Webster and look at some of the hot trending words now. Yeah. Um, so Merriam-Webster in the past um, 13 years have changed the way that they do these lists a little bit. Wait, and Ian, that... Ian, Ian, this is not a Merriam-Webster's <laughs> hot words podcast, Ian. This well, is an ASMR podcast John, where we just, I just go say... through top 10 lists at the beginning. <laughs> I just, it's still the beginning, John. We're still well into the beginning. Um, the, I just want to say the number five word, um, top word looked up in the past seven days is Laurel. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Top one word of all time, fascism. What does oh. it mean? No one really knows. <laughs> number two not. is socialism. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, yeah, that one also clearly people don't understand. <laughs> so yeah, so that was a... Uh, We've done it, John. We've, we've done another 1% of the top 10, top 10, top 10 lists. Oh, how exciting. Uh, so let's move on to notable vids. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, a like series, I guess, that has started. Uh, it is put out by, let me wait for it to load, Fun With Guru. It is called ASMR Movies and TV. There is a part one and a part two. Uh, who knows whether or not there will be any more parts, but there are two parts to ASMR in movies and TV by Fun With Guru. And it, yeah, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a bunch of clips of ASMR from movies and TV. Uh, some of them, I would say, are kind of weak, but some of them are pretty good. Um, and uh, two of the trends I noticed in these that I thought were kind of fun uh, were that uh, quite a few of these were actually scenes intended to build tension. Like, out of context, they do sort of work as ASMR, but the context is definitely not... Like, in context, they're definitely supposed to be sort of spooky, or to sort of be a quiet moment to, like, build the tension of something that's about to happen. Um, but not all of them. Uh, and I, I also noticed that uh, there were quite a few of these 
that were really just sort of just just excellent foley work was really all it came down to. Just very some, quiet, some great sound effects. Very close up people. Oh, we got a little office clip in here. Yeah, there's a there's a couple office. Cl- I think there's two office clips in there. Both of them feature Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably the most ASMR character in the office. Uh, apparently. It's mostly just whispering. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot of whispering. It turns out horror movies have a lot of whispering. Oh, yeah. I saw Inglorious Bastards recently. Yeah, but that is one of the movies featured here. That was, I think, one of the weaker uh, examples included in these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would recommend checking them out. Yeah. Uh, nice. So let's move on to ASMR news. Uh, so there's two videos I wanted to talk about um, that I'm going to talk about together because they're pretty similar. Uh, one was produced by NBC um, Left Field. It's like, I don't know, like some thing that NBC News has where they there's talk about unusual site. things, I, I want to talk about the site a little bit. Cause the other site's fucked up. It, the videos are so big. Yeah, it's, it's too big. Uh, it is you, almost full screen before you hit full screen. Yeah, you, it, it does not fit. I think it's more in, than like, full the screen, window. John. It's like <laughs> you've got to zoom out or something, and it's just this very—it's like this aggressively modern design. Yeah, it's, it's like, kind of—it's it's too much. NBC, just chill. Yeah. They got like fifteen videos on the side recommended for me. I don't want to see. Here's here's what bugs me, John. Because, you know, I mean, I guess YouTube does this too with the recommended videos, and that doesn't bother me so much. But I don't mm-hmm. like that there's there's no edge here. There's no edges in this whole webpage. Yeah, it all blurs together. And it doesn't yeah. work if you're like, if I'm trying to watch a video. That's the, I, I, I don't know. In general, I think that the the modern internet has got a very weird relationship with videos. News people in particular. Um, and I wonder, does anyone like it? <laughs> Does anyone like like the you go to a web page or something to read a little news story and a video just starts playing and you scroll down and it follows you? Is oh, anybody yeah, like, oh, really thank is. goodness, thank goodness, this video is? I was worried that I'd scroll down and the video w- yeah. I wouldn't be able to see it anymore, but here yeah, it like, is. I mean, I certainly enjoy videos. I spend a lot more time on the internet watching videos than I do reading stuff. But I, you know, sometimes I click on something expecting an article. And then I'm just assaulted with this video that doesn't want me to read an article. No. And, like, is that... Are the video teams, like, in conflict with the normal staff writing teams? Or... <laughs> it seems like there's some weird dynamic going on there. But that's that's besides the yeah, point. Yeah. NBC's left field. They've got this video which is telling me what ASMR is. And it's good because I've... Joe, we've been doing this for a while and I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's what both of these videos are. Uh, both of these videos are just another offering and the endless offering of things that tell you what ASMR is. Uh, one, yes, is from NBC Left Field. It is, what is ASMR and why is your brain tingling? The other one on YouTube, a site with, whose uh, user interface I am much more comfortable with, uh, mm-hmm. was produced by The New Yorker. And the title is, How ASMR Became an Internet Phenomenon. Now, John, uh, line, a common obsessions, line, The New Yorker. A common link between these two videos, besides the fact that they are both major news outlets finally explaining to their viewers what ASMR is, um, there's the same guy in both of them. Yeah, so I, well, I want I want to address that, but at first I just wanted to finish saying that uh, these, yeah, are both just telling you what ASMR is. Nothing too much more than that. I just wanted, thought they were worth mentioning because, yes, they are both major news outlets, and also because I think they're slightly higher quality than a lot of the other things that will tell you what ASMR is. That's but yes, true. The NBC do... Left Field video in particular, it was it was very well shot, I thought. Yeah. Um, they they do both feature our longtime rival, Dr. Craig Richard. Oh, that's who that is. Yes, it is. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, John. He's got the he's got the PhD game on us now. But just you wait, Dr. Craig Richards. <laughs> We're, coming. We're oh, gonna John, have a doctor soon too. Oh, John, how's your PhD coming? Uh oh, really, really well. Um, great, that's great. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, is yours not going that great, Ian? No, well, you know, it's 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 coming along, but bit by bit. You know, sometimes mm. it feels like it's just dragging a little bit. Um, one thing from this NBC video, they so they're sort of talking about like 
you know, the, the various things that happen in ASMR videos, the sort of tropes, the memes yep. in ASMR. If you've never thought of soap cutting, slime slushing, candy tumbling, pickle eating, or hour-long videos of people just whispering as being utterly relaxing when you probably don't know about the strangely satisfying world of ASMR, I would not include candy tumbling in that list. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, overall, I thought the uh, New Yorker vid video was better. Um, the the NBC one, it, yeah, they, 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 they include some stuff that's not really, like, the the main aspects of ASMR. They've got, like, a, a silly experiment that they do where they have their staff try to, like, create ASMR for themselves. And it's just it just doesn't quite work for me. Uh, but it does have some hilarious slow motion shots of Dr. Craig Richard just walking. And it's like, you know, it's got a voiceover going. And it's just the slow motion, like, tracking shot of him walking through a field or walking down a hallway. Like, they're trying to make it look really, really cool. And it, it just comes across as very silly to me. I gotta say, he's a handsome man. He is, yeah. So you know, he's a, he is a respectable rival. Yeah. You know, he I I know he's our our sworn enemy, but I you got to respect him. He's got a good voice. He's got a professional. Like I sort of thought that he was like when I first saw the left field video, I thought he was like a some the host of left field or something. No. no. Like he's 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 comfortable in front of the camera. Oh, he is. He's he's got a professional um way of presenting himself. Mhm. And then the New Yorker video, you know, it's got that, that quality New Yorker sass. It's all um, those weird cartoons that they do. <laughs> it does feature a lot of uh, Maria, of gentle whispering, so I, I appreciate that about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's sort of more focused on the ASMR, just whereas the, the NBC video is... I don't know what it's focused on. <laughs> Candy. Candy tumbling. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. So then I, I also, uh, wanted to talk about, um, actually, I, I put this in the news section. I don't, it's really more, um, uh, r- really more of a notable vid than ASMR news. I put it in the news section because I found out about it because, uh, through an article by The Verge, but I don't really care about the article. I wanted to talk about the videos themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article, if you're interested, is you haven't experienced ASMR until you've had Funky Calm console you about your messy divorce by david maloney uh on the verge uh maloney i'm pretty sure it's devon oh i thought said david oh (laughs) it's it's (laughs) (laughs) uh so (laughs) there are uh two videos oh shit john yeah on the topic of um things in the sidebar distracting me Mm-hmm. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a stunning disappointment, says The Verge. Uh, that's not a surprise. Sorry to spoil it. I don't know that I'm days. stunned by that. <laughs> John, well, that's the thing, though. Because a lot of people thought it wouldn't be good. So how yeah, could yeah, it, yeah, it be a stunning disappointment? <laughs> that Alright, I take it back. That is, that is, that is impressive. This is by definition stunning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we haven't. So, John, the first question I have for you is, uh, was the video was was this news article is is Devon or David as you like to call him Maloney, is David Maloney correct? <laughs> Have you not experienced ASMR until you've had Funky Kong console you about your messy divorce? Uh, honestly, I was not that into these videos for the most part. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so there there's these two videos uh, by Doc Future One. Uh, they are uh, more videos in the ASMR comedy genre uh, where. Um, it is stills or barely moving videos of uh, Funky Kong, who is apparently a Donkey Kong character. <laughs> I never played any of the Donkey Kong games, so uh, oh, you I didn't, didn't even play that. like Donkey Kong Country. Oh, actually, uh, is that the one that had um, like a uh, local sort of like FPS mode where you could battle your friends? Maybe in like maybe in the DS version. I don't know. It's like it's it's one of the classic Donkey Kong games. It's the only Donkey Kong do, game do, I played do, was the one do, that was basically. Uh... Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, <shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> uh, 
The, the only one I ever played was the one that was basically Goldeneye, but with Donkey Kong characters. What? Yeah, there what was are you a, talking like, about? There was, a, there was a Donkey Kong Goldeneye. What? Basically. Donkey Kong Goldeneye. I mean, like, I, I don't think that search term is really going to find it, but there was definitely well, a... Well, so there's, there's Goldeneye Donkey Kong mode gameplay. No, I'm pretty sure there was. So I'm pretty sure there was a Donkey Kong game. No, we should do this properly, John. When did you was just play? Like a, what? When did you play this game and on what console? Uh, I don't remember when, but it was on N64. Okay, an N64. I think so. Are you sure you weren't playing a modified Goldeneye? I don't think so. I was pretty young at the time, and I didn't own it. It was just something I played at like a friend's house a couple of times. Could this have been like a hallucination, John? <laughs> possibly huh uh but so that's that's really my my main exposure to donkey kong but so funky kong was apparently a character in donkey kong were you playing donkey like kong a... 64 i don't i don't know like, Ian. well i'm just saying john you're, you're, you just busted out golden eye but donkey kong and you can't expect me not to seize on that i i'll drop it for now john but we're gonna come okay. back to this all right that, that's fair that's fair uh, but yeah, so these videos, it's, uh, they're, they're not, they're hardly videos, um, but they feature Funky Kong, and, uh, Doc Future One is doing a voiceover as Funky Kong. Um, and the reason, so, I don't know, like, parts of it work for me, uh, but a lot of it doesn't, because the vast majority of both of these videos is just garbage. Because uh, the first one, the vast majority is gibberish. It is just Funky Kong saying gibberish on a motorcycle. Well, maybe it's like emotionally intelligent things, John. Uh, no, that's the that's the wrong one. Well, that's what, uh, it's the first one in terms of the the article. I think it's the second one sequentially. Uh, okay. Um, but so the 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 second one in terms of the art article ASMR roleplay carrying and supportive Funky Kong. Gives you a ride home from... I'm not going to read the rest of the title. Uh, that one is, is mostly gibberish. It maybe is an inside joke, but I haven't played Donkey Kong. Or, or maybe it's like a reference to something. But I don't get the reference. So I, I just found it annoying. Uh, and the other one where uh, uh, Funky Kong gives you tender and... or Yeah, where tender and emotionally intelligent Funky Kong consoles you. Uh, after a messy divorce that one i did actually really appreciate the early parts of it where you've got this weird broy monkey uh sort of like talking to you or consoling you about your divorce in a pretty positive manner uh but then that's only like the first two minutes or so and then it's just like eight minutes of reading a completely unrelated uh, or, like, completely unrelated quotes from the games. And it's just, like, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. Mm. I, 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 I didn't, I, w I didn't get that into it. It's not for me. You wouldn't recommend it. So, John, do you think that you have, in fact, experienced ASMR, even if you haven't had Funky Kong console you about I do. Force? I, I don't feel that this is an essential part of your ASMR experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Devin Baloney, but... We're throwing out your article. Uh, there were some <laughs> comments on this article, but I think we're mostly just talking about what ASMR is. Well, we should link them to that New Yorker <laughs> we should, video. Should. People are or to our podcast, that. actually. Link them to our podcast. On second thought, I think that, that is, that's what I should be, what we should be doing. Yeah, John, how many, um, have you had, like, a, I don't know, Wall Street Journal or ABC or, like, Fox News or someone? Have they, have they reached out to us yet? Uh, oddly enough, no. Everyone seems to go for Dr. Craig Richard, but no one wants us. Well, just you wait, John. Just you wait. Yeah, once we are Dr. John Tyler and Dr. Ian Fox, that's Attorney when we're going to start getting everyone. <laughs> we'll sue him, John. We'll sue him for all he's worth. That's right. That's a threat. <laughs> as soon as one of us is a lawyer, we are going to sue you for all your worth, Dr. Craig Richard. Mm-hmm. Dr. Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> he pioneered the half Nelson. Oh. Uh, do you want to move on to Hot Goss? Sure. All right. Uh, so the first thing that I want to talk about 
Uh, is this great tweet from GB? Mm-hmm. Uh, from... It really is a great tweet. <laughs> yeah, from the twenty second of May, two thousand and eighteen. Happy hashtag World Goth Day. Er, is hashtag World Emo Day a thing? I also still always pose with a hand in all my selfies. 2010 was a good time. The text is not that important. What's really important are these two pictures GB posted uh, from her from her emo phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, I think, looks more like she's like on her way to a dance or something. But she has got some some intense skunk eye going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really appreciate the first picture in which, I mean, she looks like she just walked out of a hot topic. Like, it's it's clearly still GB, but it is just, like, an unrecognizable GB from the GB we know today. Uh, and yes, we do know her personally. She hasn't... Uh, Friend of the show, GB. Yep, she hasn't come on the show yet, but, you know, it's only a matter of time. Well, she's shy, John. She's shy. Yeah, uh, she, you know, such a... she doesn't like public appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a great post. When I first saw it, I, I actually thought that it was sort of a before and after thing. um then i realized that you know it was not yeah they are from around the same time i i imagine Mm -hmm. although Uh, i think they they look like they're a little while apart at least uh yeah i think her hair is a little different actually no never mind her hair is not that different but i don't know her face looks a little different but maybe it's just the the angle and the lighting i don't know i I think it's probably mostly that uh but yeah it's a it's a younger or like a Eight years younger, GB, uh, just coming out of hot topic. Mm-hmm. Not literally coming out of hot topic, but I think I think listeners, you get what I'm I'm, I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, little fun. Highly recommend it. Little fun story. So if you look up um, hashtag World Emo Day, turns out that is not very much of a thing. The latest post uh, that used the hashtag World Emo Day was this GB post. From May twenty second, so not getting a lot of um, not getting a lot of usage. People don't really care about emos anymore, I guess. World Golf <laughs> Day is actually. Ian, did anyone ever really, really care about the emos? Uh, so I I don't know that I ever appreciated the differences between goths and emos. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that was just sort of my my attempt at like a kind of hack joke from like two thousand six. Um, okay. I don't think I I didn't quite play it up enough. I mean, so so emo is short for emotional, right? Um, I think so. Are they like just like emotionally scarred people? Um, I don't think so. I think they. It's apparently a type of rock music. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a music genre associated with both of these. Oh, well, actually, John, hold on. I'm just on UrbanDictionary.com. It's a whole subculture. Emo is a terribly misconstrued and misused word. Uh, says the top definition in Urban Dictionary. In contemporary culture, it is utilized as a broad term to describe a multitude of children and teenagers who straighten their hair, have their hair in their face, perhaps dye it black, and wear tight clothing. Unfortunately, John, this is completely <laughs> inaccurate. Actual emo <laughs> music existed in the late 80s and was a subgenre of hardcore punk rock. After all, emo is a shortening of emotional hardcore punk rock. The people in early emo bands dressed like regular people, everyday guys, girls who just played music that they enjoyed. Sadly, since the formulation and ongoing existence of Hot Topic, the term emo <laughs> has been incorrectly characterized for a little more than a decade. You have to wonder how the original bands feel about the slandering and mass misunderstanding <laughs> and misuse of their originality and those of the unoriginal. For example, just search Cap'n Jazz to listen to actual emo music. So that's what an emo is, John. Is <laughs> <laughs> someone who would write all that. Mm-hmm. Also, someone who cares. I was, I was, um, I originally started this ramble to compare the popularity of Hashtag World Emo Day versus Hashtag World Goth Day based off of their latest post. And it does turn out that they were on the same day. Although the World Emo Day, the last one, was this GB. Well, actually, the World Goth Day was one day later. Uh, so the World Emo Day, it was the GB one. The World Goth Day, there have been numerous um, since then. Okay. Including one uh, with a picture from an anime that I saw recently, Panty and Stocking. Longtime friend of the show. <laughs> uh 
so uh, do you want to move on to the ASMR and sleep hot goss topics? Sure thing, John. So these are the latest um, hot findings from the ASMR subreddit. Uh, shout out to all of those um, tingleheads that listen <laughs> to us out there. So these are just two discussions. We don't need to like really read them or anything. They're basically both talking about ASMR and sleep. Yeah. And I just thought it was kind of interesting because, you know, you are the person I know who experiences ASMR, right? You're the you're the token ASMR. You're the token tinglehead. That's right. My friend group. Uh, and you're also someone with some sleep troubles. Or who had some sleep troubles. I guess no longer really has sleep troubles. Yeah, I, I sleep pretty well now, but I, I did mm-hmm. have chronic insomnia for a while. Mm-hmm. And both of these posts are basically just talking about potential relationships between sleep and ASMR. The first one is some person who took some sort of stimulant or whatever. Uh, They're unable to sleep as a result of taking it. And they also just noted that while they're on this stimulant, they uh, do not react at all to ASMR. Hmm. And the other person is pointing out a sort of related thing where it seems like when they are the sleepiest, they have the strongest ASMR. Just wondering if you had any thoughts or observations around that. Uh, well, with regards to the um, uh, being sleepy, experiencing stronger ASMR, I don't think that is my experience because I find that when I'm the sleepiest, uh, ASMR just puts me straight to sleep. Like, mm-hmm. there's not any time for tingles. I just start watching it and I zone out and can't keep my eyes open. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, for the the other one, the stimulant affecting their ability to experience ASMR, um, I don't know that that is specific to like whatever sort of stimulant they're taking. I think that that might just sort of be like any type of mind altering substance because like I feel like if I have had like a couple of drinks, I I don't know that I've ever experienced ASMR uh, while like after after consuming alcohol or like you know enough that i notice some sort of feeling from it mm-hmm. um but then i also like can't imagine experiencing asmr with any sort of significant amount of caffeine in my system like i think anything that you have taken enough of to notice the effects is probably going to inhibit your ability to experience asmr really? i so i would that is I'd... my suspicion but I, I could be mistaken it's not surprising to me for coffee but for for alcohol and yeah, possibly for weed. I don't know if you, you've had any experience with that either. Living in a state where marijuana is not a federal crime. <laughs> well, that's, uh, not really how it works. It is still a federal crime in the state. It's not a state crime. <laughs> well, John, I'm not a lawyer yet. <laughs> Nor uh, will you ever be, to my knowledge. Uh, just you wait, John. Just you wait. Um, yeah, but it seems like drugs that have a more, like, depressant effect. It seems like those would sort of be conducive, at least in, in a mild form. Possibly. I I don't think that, that's been my experience, but I, hmm. I don't. Have you ever experimented, like, you know, trying specifically to experience ASMR when you're a little drunk? Um, no. Well, I... John, you gotta run some experiments and come back to us. All right. Yeah, I, I, or, I mean, I guess I've, like, I've, like, there have been nights where I've, you know, gone out to the bars, had a couple of drinks. Had a champagne you know, tower. Yeah, had a champagne tower, um, you know, gone out, or, you know, done a, a little blow, just, just to sort of <laughs> keep things little... going. Not, not well, to, like, go wild, but, you know, just to, yeah. just so I can drink more. Not as, uh, an you know, upper, had, like, as a balancer. Had, like, you know, like, like, ten more drinks, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like. Got into a, a fight. huge blunt. Yeah, got into a fight. Um, well, I, I had the blunt after I got into the fight because you know mm-hmm. I, as a celebration. Uh, yeah, well, because I won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know had a couple more drinks again. You know, celebrating the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know after that you know, took a couple of bong rips. You know, just like, to to level out. Mm-hmm. Um, to level out. It's all about keeping a balance. That's what a lot of yeah, people don't yeah, exactly. Um, and then you know after all of that, uh, you know maybe there was some more stuff that happened in there. I don't really remember. Uh, and then, you know, I come home and I'll watch my ASMR and then I don't experience, uh, I don't experience tingles, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't really, I haven't done like a controlled experiment. Okay. Well, that might be interesting to, to look into. 
But in general, so you've not noticed a super strong relationship between ASMR and sleepiness. I have. Or at least you have, you've, it comes to a certain point and just puts you to sleep, and beyond that, there doesn't appear to be a relationship. Um, yeah. Okay. Just wanted to, to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I, I have not done any sort of, like, intense experimentation with either of those things, though. Yeah. I feel like if I've experienced anything resembling ASMR, it's pretty much exclusively happened when I'm very sleepy, but that might just me. Uh, that might just be me being very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, are you ready, John? Are you all? Have you got all your gear buckled up? Done with all these these foolish side quests? And are you mm-hmm. ready for the main quest, John? Uh, Ian, I am ready for the main quest. Uh, okay, because we're talking about a big one today, John. Oh, we we're are. Talk- we're yeah, talking about the Titans and the ASMR industry. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's it's right. candy dumpling. <laughs> Finally, that is not what we're talking about. But it it might, I think, actually be uh, a a big more of a titan than what we are talking about. (laughs) Um, We're talking about programming ASMR, something that is not a major subgenre of ASMR, but something that I thought we would be qualified to talk about. So this is this is creating a computer program which can experience ASMR. It's really in line with Ian's sort of uh, AI machine learning mm-hmm. research. Yeah, my general goal to um, supplant humanity in terms of the amount <laughs> of tingles experienced. Yeah, create uh, computers that can truly experience emotion and just the the full bevy of human experience. Well, John, in that vein, I got a I got a philosophical question for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we could create a an artificial intelligence and through whatever bevy of tests you desire, we could prove that it is sentient and capable of, like, you know, feeling emotions in a way that is understandable to us. Mm-hmm. Um, would we have some sort of obligation, from an ethical perspective, to spin up a tremendous number of these guys and just cause them to experience bliss? Like, it? do you think... <laughs> Do you think, cause like, cause this is something that will be brought up as a rebuttal or, or it's just sort of like a reasoning out to the end game of utilitarianism, where there are some forms of utilitarianism where you're saying, okay, so the ultimate goal of our society is to maximize the amount of pleasure that is experienced in the world, minus the amount of displeasure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, if we can just create these beings which just feel nothing but pleasure all the time forever, <laughs> and they experience pleasure, you know, a hundred million times more intensely and faster than we do. Do we sort of have this ethical obligation then to turn all of the wheels of industry and society into creating these pleasure boxes? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, because that, that is sort of, I, I guess, because in that case, you're, you're not really trying to, um... I, I, yeah, because because that is, I think, sort of a um, corruption of the idea of the maximize of maximizing pleasure, uh, where you are not. Whereas I think sort of the the spirit of that idea of maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain is that you are maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain for the sort of existing members of your society and for future members as well but sort of in the in a uh it, it, but when considering future members you are considering it in just sort of like the the naturally occurring uh future members like whatever happens to be a sustainable population that yeah i guess a sustainable population essentially um but in this uh scenario you are uh, you really don't care about the existing members of your society. All you care about is, like, just some arbitrary number of, like, we can quantify that this many entities are experiencing this amount of pleasure. Not that our society as a whole is a happy one. Cause well, but you're... as a whole, right? Like, if you if you count your society as the number of thinking entities... Okay, that's say, right. Well, so, yeah, so we've got, like, you know, seven billion people... And maybe a hundred trillion of these pleasure boxes, right? Right. So on the whole, our society is very, very happy. 
That's true. But it, you're you're doing so not by fixing problems, but by just sort of I don't know. It's like sweeping dust under the carpet, I guess. Like you haven't. I so I certainly see where you're coming from. Um, it's sort of interesting. This is a this is a not uncommon line of reasoning um, used or or debated in terms of like uh, vegetarianism, where people will say that vegetarianism or veganism might be considered unethical um, or ethical, maybe uh, just based off of the idea that, you know, if everybody was to adopt a vegetarian lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle, there would be many, many, many fewer chickens in the world. And that domesticated chickens anyway, like as we sort of have them right now, would functionally cease to exist as a species. Oh, we still eat their eggs. Well, not if we're vegans, though, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um, yeah, and I'd, I've always thought that was like a kind of silly argument. Um, yeah, but in part, I, like, that's predicated. I, it's, it's just so contrived, I guess, is the, really the problem. Yeah, just. But then it's also interesting because, like, you know what? If you if you don't think about the fact that, like, because there, there are people who say, you know, that well, the the a hunter gatherer lifestyle. There's some reasonable amount of evidence that it requires very little um, effort, and it tends to be pretty high quality in terms of health and whatever. And so there are people who say, well, a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, and in general, like, you know, we should shift away from agriculturalism towards, like, hunter-gathering. Or that it would have been a sensible thing to do that around the formation of agriculture. But the weird thing is, of course, you know, that the big benefit of agriculture is that it allows you to have much higher populations which kind of seems like a good in and of itself to me. I don't know. It seems like having a higher population... Like, if, if you have two ways of living, one of which is maybe higher quality for the people who are living in it, um, but the other one allows you to have, like, a hundred times more people, and they're not living in, like, abject misery or whatever. I don't know. It seems like you got to weigh that in somehow hmm. when deciding which of the two is, is ethically preferable. But it's it's all tough. There's a there's no easy answers in ethics unless you're a Kantian. I'm not familiar with. Ah, he just has he's he is a classic. Um, I guess utilitarianism. Basically, if you have a pure ethical framework, then it's pretty easy. You yeah, have all these imperatives to work towards. Um, but if you're uh, what we would call a sensible person, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little trickier. Um, yeah, I... But that's not the main question. The main question is not about programming <laughs> ASMR feeling entities, it turns out, <laughs> uh, much to my disappointment. <laughs> uh, no, it is just about um, computer programming ASMR videos. Um, so I, I found a couple of examples that I, I did quite enjoy, actually. Um, so there, there were, I guess, a, a couple of... Um, I guess really the, the the videos I found fell into one of two categories. They were either uh, sort of voiceover tutorials, or it was purely just watching a computer screen with like someone typing, and you could hear keyboard sounds. Um, so for the most part, I, I preferred the the style of someone doing a voiceover and uh, sort of teaching you about programming. Um. So there, there were uh, two examples of this that I found that I that I enjoyed. Um, now I was not watching either of these with a uh, critical eye for programming. I was watching them, you know, more with a critical eye for ASMR. You had your ASMR uh, hat on, not your programmer hat. That is correct. But I, I felt like both of the. Uh, oh, I didn't say what the videos were yet. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so one of them was code ASMR. With a laptop emoji, soft spoken iron Python tutorial by Worst Lolna. Um, that is spelled Worst L O L N A. And ASMR ear to ear whisper about C programming for relaxation, layered typing sounds, part one by Caroline ASMR. I'll say, so I looked at her channel. Um, this, this part one has grown to a, a, I think it's a six part series right now. Possibly to continue in the future. I don't know. Yeah, there are definitely quite a few. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed both of these videos. Um, they, they were both very basic, very introductory content. But, you know, it seemed like both of them knew what they were talking about. Um, 
I thought that they both uh, had nice voices, did a good job with their ASMR. They uh, knew their coding uh, well enough, as far as I could tell. Um, the The biggest distinction between the two of them is Caroline ASMR um, is talking about the C programming language, a language mm-hmm. that I would not describe as relaxing. It's uh, great, John. It's you know you've got all this nice low level control. That really lets you do what you want to do. And if there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing more relaxing than freedom, John. <laughs> nothing more relaxing than freedom from a helpful compiler. Oh, God. Remember, John? Remember when you were doing that? This was C++, actually, not C. Yeah. I, we probably don't want to continue down this road too far. <laughs> I'm just saying, John, it was like one in the morning. We were sitting there. And then I forget what we discovered. But there's like we were doing something hilariously wrong. Like, so wrong that it never should have been able to even look like it was working. But it, it looked like it was almost working. Yeah, and that's um, C for you. Yeah, the, the great thing about C, for those of you who um, are, are not programmers, is, um, I guess, sort of like... So, so, so most uh, programming language or all programming languages have to be compiled, and most programming languages not will all do... of them, John. Not all of them. You got okay? Yeah, I'm I misspoke. Most need to be compiled, uh, and most languages, when compiled, actually, maybe not even most, a lot. Generally, when you're compiling, though, you um, you know the the compiler will make sure that it understands everything you have written, but then also will. Uh, you know, sort of give you warnings or find errors in your code, things like that. Uh, and it's very useful. Um, C doesn't do that. So I would say sort of the equivalent would be like, you know, uh, most languages with compilers are sort of like typing in Microsoft Word and it's got all the helpful um, spell check tools. Uh, whereas C would be just sort of like uh, you're sending an email to to your boss and your boss is a huge asshole, and if there's one, like, single mistake, your boss is just going to freak out and fire you, mm-hmm. um, and you don't get to use spell check. That's basically what C is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not as good as D, but better <laughs> than B, I would say. My ranking of languages. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought these were these were interesting videos. Um, I'm with you in that I preferred the ones that were talking. I watched, you know, there, there was two, I think, that you linked to that were just typing. Mm-hmm. One was on Java game programming, uh, and the other was on coding tic-tac-toe. And both of us, I found them almost kind of stressful to watch. Yeah. Because there's something I, I... like, you're trying to understand, especially the... Um, the Java game programming. Because I didn't have... I had no clue about what these naming conventions were this guy was using. <laughs> but they were very weird. Yeah, so the the Java game programming, number one, by T. Umezawa. Um, it's, it's a little tough to watch, I can admit. Because he's... Um, switching screens, or switching, like, windows a lot. There's a, there's a lot of jumping around. He's got some very weird naming conventions. And he's moving pretty fast. Uh, mm-hmm. He also is uh, definitely using some sort of uh, library uh, that, you know, I don't think most people are going to be familiar with at all. Well, most people don't do Java game programming. Yeah, <laughs> and most people are not familiar with whatever Java game programming library he happens to be using. Uh, but that said, I did kind of enjoy this one, just because he's going so fast. Mm. Um, and I do like that he, like, he does, he'll do, like, one little change, then he'll run it, because, uh, like, like everything he does will run, will compile and run without any issues. So every change he makes, he shows you what that change did. Mm-hmm. So, like, initially it's a little jarring, but eventually you sort of can figure out what he's doing. Uh, so I did kind of like that about it. And I also just liked how fast he was and efficient. Um, but it is also probably not the best ASMR. It is, I would say, not really ASMR. 
Uh, it's just like a, a mildly interesting video of a guy programming. Uh, and then the other one that was that was just programming, no talking, was ASMR coding tic-tac-toe on nostalgia, cathode terminal, emulator, and vintage computer sound by Coracott Requang. That's definitely not how you pronounce it. Uh, it could be, though. We don't know that it's not. Uh... <laughs> So, um, this one, yeah, is like on some sort of like, uh, emulator that is emulating an old computer monitor. Um, so it's got some like fun sounds. It's got kind of a fun look to it. But it's also, I think, it's too obvious that it's emulated. Like it, it, it's almost sort of in like the uncanny valley, I guess, in terms of like, like a, cathode terminal really yeah it it, it's too obvious that it's fake and again it's just like it's just 50 minutes no talking just some keyboard sounds and keyboard sounds aren't really a trigger for me like i think they're nice but they don't like i don't know now what if they were a mechanical keyboard though john i thought it was i think it is a mechanical keyboard isn't it I don't know. Yeah, it's not super no, clicky, it, but it's not not. It might clicky. just be like if it's if it's a mechanical keyboard, then it's one of those soft sounding, whatever they're called. Yeah, that's switches. That's fair. Yeah, that switches. Yeah. Now, John, you type with a mechanical keyboard, correct? Um, uh, I I wouldn't say I type with a mechanical keyboard because uh, m- I, most of my typing is done at work where I have a mem like a a membrane keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um. I have a mechanical keyboard at home, uh, which I, I use for a lot of a, a lot of games. You know, could you um, give us a sample? Sure. It's much quieter than I thought it would be. It was louder before, John. What happened? I don't know. I can't tell you. Jeez. Well, that was disappointing. You're gonna have to insert <laughs> Sorry. in post. Insert some very loud, obnoxious fucking noises. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Well, John, you'll probably have done that. So thank you for having done that, John. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, um... So why don't you use a mechanical keyboard at work, John? Because I wasn't provided one and I didn't want to buy a keyboard to bring to work. Even though that's... Because I feel like the people buy mechanical keyboards because they they prefer typing on them, right? Yeah. Like, if you're doing most of your typing at work, doesn't it make sense to, like, to bring your mechanical keyboard to work? Um... Yeah, well, so I didn't. I like didn't have any keyboard at home, mm-hmm. uh, so I needed to buy a keyboard, and I decided I would buy a nice keyboard for home. Um, actually, I think I asked for it as a gift. Um, whereas at work, I have I, I have a keyboard. It's a free keyboard, so I'm not gonna pay for a nice keyboard to replace a free keyboard. But I, you know, a, a nice keyboard to replace no keyboard is is perfectly reasonable you uh, should just take my approach where if you need a keyboard or you need some various computer implement just take it from your lap john <laughs> um I'm, I'm not gonna do that here's uh, one I, thing. I don't have a lab to take stuff from here's a here's a fun little look i know that our, our listeners love these slice of phd life um, <laughs> updates that i give so regularly um I don't know, actually, if this is all PhD students in computer science or just the ones at University of Michigan, where I live, uh, reside. <laughs> um, Bob and Mitty Bicycle Building, Office 3816, come out uh, look me up. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'd be great. But, uh... <laughs> um, no, but all of the PhD... Um, offices, they are shared amongst multiple PhD students from multiple different labs. They're just sort of these big, these big fish markets full <laughs> of yammering students and their various technologies. And what will happen is like, you know, you'll come in as a PhD student or a master or whatever. You'll set up on your desk. Your, your, um, advisor might buy you some lab equipment or whatever, like a monitor or a computer and stuff. And then when it comes time to graduate, what you'll do is you'll either leave your stuff just on your desk and just leave forever. (laughs) Or you'll like, you know, you'll unplug the computer and the monitor. And there's a variety of shelves in the office. And you'll just, you'll just put them on one of the shelves. (laughs) 
like there are in in my there are in my office um probably five computers and maybe six or seven monitors that are just there <laughs> they're just there on the shelves they've been building up for years and you know it's just it's some of them are like you know some of them are okay well these belong technically to this professor so you can't use them some of them belong to professors who left the university years ago <laughs> and like what what's gonna happen to them john what's gonna be done about these computers that are slowly building up well, they're just gonna, like, rot there until eventually someone just throws them away. I guess. It would be my guess. I guess that's what's gonna happen, but it's sort of sad. Because <laughs> yeah. computers, like, you know, they're good for a lot of stuff, but they, they've got a pretty limited shelf life. They really do. So that's ASMR um, programming. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, thank you very much for joining us again this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. You can find us on Twitter at ASMR Questing. No, that is wrong. ASMR listeners, underscore Quest. Thank you. Listeners, you can find us on Twitter at ASMR underscore Quest. You can email us at ASMRQuesting at gmail.com. And please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Six-star if you can manage it, but I understand <laughs> that times are tight. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Mm-hmm. And your enemies. Thank you, and stay tingling.